0: Quickly, before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to apologise, I, I accidentally recorded on the wrong mic. It's the first time it's happened since, like, episode three of the show, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't take too much away from it, and yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Knowing Wheel, episode 111 of your favourite Formula One show, and as always, I'm joined by a man that just this week told me that Fernando Alonso is lucky if he's dating Taylor Swift and it should be him (laughs) Jamie183, how are you doing?
1: I don't remember saying that Uh, unfortunately I cannot promise that today will be free of uh, references to Taylor Swift Um, but there we go I'm looking forward to this podcast and I'm sure that Fernando Alonso is looking forward to once the uh, triple header is over and he can go and see Taylor
0: yeah, yeah, fair, fair play. I mean, we still don't know whether it's true or not, to be honest. Don't really I'm care. sure it's not true. <laughs> um, but, like, fair play to him, if he is. But anyway, let's let's get into the Formula One, though, Jamie. Of course, finally, we're back uh, this weekend in Azerbaijan. Baku, of course, a circuit that has delivered drama in years gone by. But the big talk going into the weekend was all around or involving Ferrari wasn't it of course Charles Leclerc we, we spoke about this on last week's show uh, but again you know more speculation about whether he's been in talks with Mercedes isn't it
1: yeah and I think fair play to you you called this in like February I did um, so, so that's going quite well but Leclerc <laughs> instead of putting water on the fire just put fuel on the fire by saying not yet to the question when he was asked have you had talks with Mercedes <laughs> which is a bit dumb uh, from him to be honest especially when you know, you're you not driving for them and you've got 20 races to go well I think it's, it's just bad on, on Ferrari and he's, he's a professional driver he works for Ferrari right now so to be stirring the pot like that is a little bit short sighted in my eyes But um, yeah but if you want to try and get
0: big money offers elsewhere that's the kind of pot stirring you've got to do
1: yeah yeah true but i'm sure ferrari weren't best pleased with them um and of course there's there's no there's technically no spare seat at mercedes right now because they're obviously gonna try and keep hamilton if they can so it will be interesting to see i think it's on hamilton whether there is a seat available so we shall see
0: we shall we shall i mean it's it's still early days isn't it it's early speculation we don't know what hamilton's thinking just yet um, but I'm sure, of course, as time moves on, I think Charlotte Leclerc will be in Formula 1 longer than Lewis Hamilton will be, uh, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So he could be a worthy successor to Lewis. Uh, and the other big news, of course, is uh, kind of a bit out of nowhere, isn't it? Franz Tost is going to be leaving Alpha AlphaTauri at the end of the year, and fair play to him. He's had one of the weirdest roles in Formula 1. I know we bring this up about once every month, um, <laughs> but... He's done a fantastic job right from the start with Toro Rosso slash AlphaTauri, and I think he deserves a retirement where he doesn't celebrate Christmas.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, he apparently hates fun, um, which maybe makes him a good, good leader of the team where the pressure is unbelievably high on the drivers. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's going to be leaving the team at the end of the year, replaced by Laurent Mekies, who is at Ferrari currently. Uh, but he has done a very good job, obviously they've had two race wins in his time there when he's been there from the very beginning in 2006 so both at Monza, Vettel and Gasly more recently uh, they've had what, two world champions come through that team and an awful lot more race winners as well so for the purposes the of, of the one
0: grid.
1: yeah, exactly for the purposes of what that team is for, they've done a very good job and obviously you don't, you don't get the same acclaim as someone like a Ross Braun who wins championships for fun but for the first of Alfa Tauri, hashtag Rosso, he has done excellently.
0: Yeah, he really, really has. And I mean, it's always interesting as well, of course, we had the comments at the start of this year, didn't we? Uh, from Frantz saying he no longer trusts his engineers. Probably <laughs> not a wise thing to say, to be completely honest. I'm yeah, not a Formula 1 team principal, <laughs> uh, but if I was, that might not be the first thing I said. Uh, but apparently there is a, quite a bit of unrest actually around Ferrari over this announcement. They feel that Alfa Tauri jumped the gun, but to me, I think the big thing there is it probably implies that Alpha Tauri aren't moving out of Fienza if they're still hiring no. other Italians.
1: No, exactly. And Paul Stoddart will be uh, very happy about that, I'm sure.
0: Get him so, on the show.
1: Yeah, we need him on. Paul, if you're watching, give me a call.
0: I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Paul seems like an Apple podcast yeah. kind of guy to me, I reckon.
1: Yeah, he does, to be fair. He's quite himself isn't he so he probably has an iPhone
0: <laughs> that's not how we get him on the show Jamie <laughs> <laughs> there
1: we go <laughs> shall we move on from Alva Tauri to the, uh, the big brother team of Red Bull and specifically Max Verstappen who I found these comments really weird pre-weekend he basically was saying like he's not interested in setting records he's got his contract to the end of 2028 and he'll see what happens after that it just sounded like he was really down and really, like, not enjoying the sport. And I guess it's kind of the act he's got to back himself on now because he's been so critical of the sprint races. But it, it was just a weird, like, hill to die on, I felt. So, because I, I really don't see him retiring from the sport in 2028, but it, that was kind of what he was making out will happen, which was it was just a bit strange, really. But what do you, what do you think about
0: it? It's a really, really weird one with Max Verstappen either he's trying to sort of play off this oh I don't really care about the numbers and I don't want to, You know, I'd, I I could retire because let's be fair, sensibly, on the on the salary he's allegedly on, he could retire in 2028 and I'm sure he'd live a happy, happy life but mm. it also would not surprise me if Max is the kind of guy that goes oh I could try and match, I don't know Ayrton Senna's win records if I win the Grand Prix between now and the summer <laughs> um but it's one extreme or the other, I feel, with Max. Like, it would not surprise me if he's mapped out, if he wins 16 races a year at these certain venues, then he can match X, Y, and Z's records by this point and all that kind of stuff. Or mm. he... Because the thing is, well, obviously, with Max, he's is, is rare in the sense of he just cares about driving. He can win his Formula yeah. One World Championships, you know, whether he wins... I mean, let's be fair, it's going to be a third this year, sensibly, unless something crazy happens. He could win three, he could win seven, he could win ten. He also could quite happily, come the end of 2028, if he's not happy with Red Bull, if he's not happy with the way the Formula 1 schedule's working, I could see him going off and doing Le Mans, or something like that. I can genuinely see him being a driver that would go for the Triple Crown.
1: Yeah, potentially. I mean, he just loves driving, doesn't he? Depends... All the time away from the track, just sim racing anyway. So, if if it is a passion that he has, then I guess why not? I would not like to see him leave F one in his basically his prime. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It was very very strange for Max, but he reminds me of a little bit of towards the end of twenty twenty one. Obviously, before he'd won his first title, he was playing it down massively and was like, "I oh, it doesn't make a difference to me if I win the title or not." It's been a great year, that kind of thing. I oh, mean, mean, he yeah, but that's absolute absolutely bull. buzzing.
0: Yeah. Max was trying to do yeah, that because he so. knew he was cracking under the pressure.
1: Yeah, and still won it. So there we go.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, <nice and> <laughs> ju- jumping into the weekend, though, of course, uh, it, it did not go well for the French, did it? Uh, you know, new sprint format. We'll talk about that as the podcast goes on. Uh, but that left us with just one hour of free practice around what is still probably technically one of Formula One's most difficult circuits, isn't it? Uh, and mm. the, the Alpines blew up.
1: Yeah. Gasly more dramatically had a, had a fire. Um, and ocon it wasn't a retirement on track, was it? But it was in, in the pit lane under the red flag. They realized something was wrong. So both of them had fixes to be made before qualifying, which is only a few hours later for the Grand Prix. Um, and yeah, practice was pretty anonymous. Other than that, other than those incidents for Alpine, but yeah, ever since lap fifty-six of Melbourne, their season has kind of self-destructed. And it it's impressive, season, unfortunately, for them.
0: Only Alpine or Ferrari can implode that quickly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like it's just yeah, what happens wasn't great.
0: between those teams. It's it's impressive just how quickly uh, th- those two can just self-combust I suppose is probably the best way of describing it Uh, but yeah I mean the rest of practice was I mean you've obviously got all the standard stuff people locking up running down the escape roads all that not particularly exciting jazz Um, but of course if you don't like watching practice you can do something else with your day it's a Friday (laughs) Um, but then of course we had qualifying uh, just a few hours after that and immediately Nick De Vries, who let's be fair I think he's probably the driver uh, that he's most on fraud watch early on this year uh, goes and stacks it
1: yes exactly i think we spoke about this uh recently was it after after melbourne or maybe last week i can't remember but
0: well, we we spoke about it after we spoke about it after melbourne but that's because you got sergeant and de Vries muddled up
1: oh yeah indeed <laughs> So I think the problem, as we just said, AlphaTauri is probably the highest pressure team for the drivers to perform. Maybe not the highest, but one of the highest. Um, And he currently isn't performing, Uh, and obviously it didn't get much better for him in the race. So he's got to pick it up quite fast. He's 28 years old. Uh, His only credible performance in F1 was pocketing Latifi on a track with five corners. and he hasn't really started the season very well at all for AlphaTauri and especially when Liam Lawson is up there in the Championship in Super Formula I think someone's going to be uh, taking a look at the contract and seeing what they can do about it so yeah he's got to pick it up I kind of like for his sake hope he does but I also don't really, don't really care about Nick DeVries for myself <laughs> <laughs> there we go um, <laughs> So, I mean, the, the question's I'd rather be do asked. Lawson in I'm not going to lie
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is the question isn't it by the end of 2023, Jamie 183, will Liam Lawson have driven the AlphaTauri Formula One car in a non-practice session?
1: I think he will.
0: Do you reckon if he's coming after the, the summer?
1: If he carries on the way he's going, I think there's no way DeBreece lasts the season.
0: Interesting. Clip
1: that up and get it on the short. Oh,
0: that'll be going on the Instagrams <laughs> and the TikToks and all that good stuff. Um, but Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, obviously going into qualifying, yeah. Nick DeFries locks up down at turn three. Was never going to make the corner. I don't know why he didn't bail out, uh, but decided not to. So that was his qualifying run ruined. Uh, Gasly also. um, But um, this is genuinely the notes Jamie has written for me here as a reference marker (laughs) in chat. Uh, Gasly is also, but less clear cut mistake. Jamie, do you want to explain that one? No.
1: Well, it's a conditional clause based on the previous bullet point. So clearly like Gasly made almost the same mistake as DeVries but got a bit further around the corner before crashing so it was also a bit like a bit dumb from him but it was like I think Gasly would have struggled to back out because he kind of took too much speed in and had the lock up when he was at the apex so he kind of just made an error and couldn't have done anything about it after making the error thing with DeVries he made the error and didn't admit it and then crashed (laughs) Yeah. so it was, a, it was a bit stupid from Gasly but a little bit less embarrassing and but I just remembered fans, so maybe.
0: So I just remembered why I didn't remember that incident as well and that's because I was driving home after De Vries had already caused a red flag um, but yeah I oh, in Q1 though enough. joining De Vries and Gasly were Kevin Magnussen, Nico Olkenberg and Joe Yu. so I mean let's be fair if you're a fan of any three of those five drivers for example <laughs> you must have been quite upset with that uh, it's a good job you do done like had technical,
1: Magnuson had technical difficulties, so there were technically two spaces available to go out in Q1, and both of my two favourite drivers went out in those two spaces.
0: <laughs> are you saying Max isn't so one, one of your favourite drivers? Fun times me.
1: He's one of the three.
0: You've got, like, six favourite drivers. Just pack it in.
1: I know. I'm just turning into a, sort of a Twitter account at this point.
0: You are, basically. Uh, anyway, jumping into <laughs> Q2, though... Um, George Russell out there, wasn't he? Hamilton accidentally gave Oscar Piastri a tiny bit of slipstream, and that meant Russell was knocked out by, was it four thousandths of a second? It was four thousand. thousandths.
1: Yeah. Hamilton was P10 as well. So he was, wasn't he? Close yeah. For him as well.
0: Mercedes really yeah. didn't get it picked up as quickly as they wanted to.
1: No, especially after Russell's comments pre weekend.
0: Well, I mean, we we spoke about that, didn't we? Who goes into yeah, a weekend yeah. going, "We've made this much progress. We're going to be fighting for the win." You didn't say we're going to fight for the win. You just don't <laughs> no, say it. Just they, come in quietly, like McLaren did, and then do quite well.
1: Because they were well, certainly in Q two. They were behind the Aston Martins and the McLarens, both of which are uh, customer teams for Mercedes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best look for George Russell on a Friday, but um. They yeah, don't call him Mr through, Friday by Four thousand, exactly
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah he was joined by Esteban Ocon, Alex Alvin, Bottas and Logan Sargent there and of course everyone hyping up the Williams uh, forgetting that it is a qualifying car and Baku has a lot of straights um, but anyway jumping into Q3 though Jamie we almost had a repeat of 25 and a bit years ago didn't we
1: is that 20 wow my brother's old he was born in 97 <sighs> 25 years um, yeah, what, Hereth 97 with the, the triple yes. tie for pole position yeah, uh, we didn't
0: quite go that well, but
1: no, well after the first runs it was Verstappen leading Leclerc by point zero zero zero. so that was pretty impressive, we get like it's actually not that uncommon to have two people tying with how close the field is, but to have it for pole position would be ridiculous, and to have it for three cars on pole position would be practically impossible but it happened once it so, well
0: allegedly it happened yeah. once part of the F1 iceberg we'll get to that I'm sure one day
1: really <laughs> yeah yeah so unfortunately it didn't didn't last uh, well I say unfortunately not for Leclerc um, but another thing that's going on in Q3 or throughout qualifying really uh, it became clearly Aston Martins didn't have DRS uh, the rear wing is supposed to open and leave a blank space but it didn't so they were left floundering really in Q3 um, they tried to give each other a tow, but that left them only with one lap each because each of the runs well, Alonso, strolled, Alonso towed Stroll and then Stroll towed, towed Alonso back but they only got one lap each so it was difficult for either of them to, to put it together and I think they ended up 6th and 7th, 6th and 8th Jamie wasn't, wasn't the best for them
0: Yeah, we just have some breaking news coming in oh no Sergio Perez has been now No, uh, well, actually, I was going to say there is—you've been removed from the podcast for that Taylor Swift reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was that bizarre. Was it was bizarre because obviously Aston Martin all weekend, of course, you know, they've been talking about this new rear wing, and I think we we kind of got in with the impression that their car wasn't as good, higher speeds as everyone else. But the fact that that hadn't been. Tested properly on the new concept rear wing, whatever the issue was with it, is not reassuring.
1: No, no, not really. And even less assuring for McLaren was with DRS, Lando Norris was only four kilometres
0: an hour faster. One, one kilometre an hour hour faster.
1: One kilometre an hour.
0: It was 326 up against 325. McLaren is still the slowest car down the straights.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was not, not a good look for that that McLaren. And they actually did well to get well both cars into Q three, didn't they? So Yeah, fair play. Maybe the upgrades have actually worked more than more than Mercedes have. Well this
0: to... was this was the thing, of course, and I know we mentioned this on last week's show as well. McLaren were very, very quiet, not to say this was a B spec car, which is what George Russell should have done. Um but <laughs> Like they, they were very, very sensible in the way they did this, because of course, you know, we've spoken about it before, the first three races of the year, similar sort of story to last year for McLaren, where they really struggled at the start, but it's quite clear that this time around, it was the porpoising regulations had really screwed over their car concept. So, they're a good team, and then getting back to the top of the midfield... But it's about making that next step, isn't it, for McLaren? I mean, really, yeah. they now have got to be going. Aston Martin have gone from here to there. How do we effectively copy that to end up in that sort of scenario? That's what McLaren need to be doing. They're not a team anymore, at least in their current guys, that can fight for world championships. But they need to be closer to the front.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess a lot of people criticise Aston Martin for copying Red Bull, basically. But if that's the way to do it, that's that's how you get up there, really. So I guess McLaren might be too proud to admit. Oh yeah, because that's worked so well
0: for Williams over the last fifteen years. Pride. <laughs> oh,
1: true. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just need to admit that copying other teams isn't a bad thing, especially when that team is dominating the sport. Um. So yeah, yeah.
0: It's all, this is always a thing as well, and I, I remembered this yesterday because it was a funny comment my dad made, which I'm, I'm going to say definitely off the bat was a joke. Uh, but he said that Adrian New was a traitor to his country going to Red Bull, which I didn't <laughs> quite understand because of course the Red Bull team's based in the UK anyway. But I kind of get obviously what he meant by the Austrian stuff. I wonder if occasionally <laughs> there are still people inside McLaren now that go if we just paid him a bit more and given him what he wanted we could still have Adrian Newey McLaren could now be the most successful team in Formula 1 history had they kept on onto Adrian for the last 20 years it's mad to think about and I know we're going (sighs) back into my let's admire Adrian Newey phase of the show which happens every week at the moment but I mean if Adrian Newey wants to come on I think I think oh, yeah, I'd be speechless definitely. for an hour, but just did it all. Yeah,
1: I'd just let him talk about aerodynamics and not have a We would, yeah. Or.
0: We would have no idea what he's saying, <laughs> but we'd be here for it. Um, but yeah, you do wonder whether there's there's still that little bit of a McLaren going, Wish we kept him. I wish Ron Dennis wasn't such a pain. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, final um. qualifying
0: order. Uh, was, of course, like we said, Charles Leclerc able to improve again by two tenths to take pole position away from Max Verstappen. Uh, the Dutchman uh, for the first time starting on the front row of the grid in Azerbaijan, ahead of Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz there, Hamilton Alonso, Norris Sonoda, Stroll, and Oscar Piastri. And the great thing about a qualifying weekend like this is now the, uh, the podcast segues beautifully to another qualifying session. <laughs> Yay! <laughs>
1: yes. And we had. Well, Sprint Shootout, to give it his correct term, on Saturday morning, which I'm, I was surprised I got up for, but I did. Um, it was
0: like 11am. Yeah.
1: No, it was... was it, I thought it was half a night. Was it half it was half ten. It was half ten, yeah. Oh, fair. Well, definitely should have been up then, which I was. So, yeah, it was shorter sessions. Uh, we had 12 minute, then 10 minute, then 8 minute for the three sessions, which I said the pre-weekend, I think, was a bit of an improvement on the previous concept of sprint races where the sprint just decides the grid for the grand prix uh didn't really turn out that way but we'll get onto that later um but yeah sprint shootout and the the key thing i feel for anyone going into sprint shootout is do not crash (laughs) because you've got about three hours to fix your car for the sprint and yeah you don't want to and you're in Park Ferme, of course, so you're going to have to start from the pit lane in the sprint if you do crash. Uh, unfortunately, Logan Sargent didn't adhere that advice and did indeed bin it at turn 15 in SQ1 and yeah, ruined the back end of his Williams.
0: Yeah, not, not not a wise choice by Logan Sargent. I mean, we spoke a little bit about this pre-recording. Uh, I think Sargent was a little bit unlucky there. Those Ferraris were not in a good place. Um, and I think that I like if, I can understand why he crashed because of where they were. Not saying it was the Ferrari's fault, because let's be fair, Formula One now is racing around circuits that don't really allow cars to get out of the way of each other very easily. Um, but I can see why Sargent made the mistake when you've got a car on the inside of a corner They're doing that. You're likely to be distracted. And Turn 15 is probably the most treacherous corner in Baku.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's the one we see most... I feel like that Turn 3 or Turn 15 is where we see most of the crashes, when people are pushing uh, on qualifying laps and such. Uh, so, yeah, it's, again, a bit of a rookie error, but he's made quite a few of those this year. And it's kind he is a worse. rookie. Yeah, yeah, but some rookies don't crash as much. I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's fair enough. It's fair enough, I suppose. Maybe maybe still Sergeant was pushed up into Formula 1 a year too early, but... I think he's, he's doing okay so far. And, I mean, he still did actually make it into Q2 because of that. Did screw over Star of Friday Yuki Tsunoda, though, who was about 10 yards from the start-finish line when the red flag got called, and he would have then knocked uh, Sergeant out of Q1 there. Yeah. Uh, so it was both Alpha Towers, both Alpha Romeos, and once again, Pierre Gasly, um, who are out in yeah. Q1 there. What is I'm going way, on I'm with Alpha Romeo?
1: Ah, from it, it just—they are lost calls at this point I'm surprised they've even got any points their car was just so off the pace which is really annoying I think they've got a high downforce concept so the next four tracks should suit them a little more I've, I've got to hope so because yeah it's, it's not looking good and Gasly went out in Q SQ1 which meant going into the sprint race on Saturday afternoon he'd done about five laps in total <laughs> which is probably not the best preparation
0: no, not not ideal, not ideal. Uh, Q two though, uh, sorry, S yes, Q two. Even I should say, pretty undramatic. Of course, Sergeant because he didn't have a car, uh, and then also was subsequently removed from the sprint race as well because Williams couldn't get the car repaired in time. Magnussen, Ocon, Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri there, who was just three hundredths of a second behind his teammate Lando Norris, and with all the reports we've heard this weekend about Oscar Piastri with food poisoning, bless him, he did incredibly well.
1: He did. Unlucky to come away empty-handed, really, from the whole weekend. But, yeah. Kind of empty stomach more, luckily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good drive from Piastri. And obviously got the first points in Melbourne, so he'll kick on and uh, start start doing well. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I mean, this kind of left us with a weird scenario by the time we got to SQ3. Uh, Obviously, like we said, uh, in SQ1, SQ2, you can only use the mediums. In SQ3, you can only use the softs. There was a caveat to that as well, though, that they had to be a completely fresh set of tyres. So Lando Norris got into SQ3, but because he used an extra set to get into Q3 on Friday, meant that he didn't have any tyres for SQ3, except that if he and Yuki Tsunoda had both made it into SQ3, they would have probably both had to have gone out on a set of intermediate tyres and battled for P9, which is incredibly dumb.
1: It's just like league racing in real life, isn't it, really? Yeah. So it would have been quite funny, but I I do think the teams have too much respect for the sport, that if that had happened, they wouldn't have gone out. but it would have been Oh, a- no, they would have been
0: reprimanded, I would have thought. They would,
1: there's no chance they would have gone out on, the inter- on a dry condition. Oh, no, they, they
0: wouldn't, but that's my point. They would be reprimanded if they did. Yeah, definitely,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, that left us in SQ3 basically a, a, a repeat of SQ of proper Q3, sorry, in, in Friday qualifying with Leclerc uh, actually in the first runs just ahead of Verstappen this time, not tying um, but actually Perez was the, uh, the lead Red Bull in, in SQ3, which is difficult to get my head around saying every time yep. uh, and yeah, on the second runs the Red Bulls just didn't really improve I guess the track temperature was uh, a lot higher on the Saturday morning than it was on the Friday evening and Yeah, kind of meant that all the times were a bit slower, but the Red Bulls couldn't really get it together, and that left Leclerc was on pole position, or sprint king or whatever they call it these days. Um, And he gets a nice Pirelli hat. He got a great hat that looks splattered in paint, um, but he also got a broken front wing, because he absolutely binned it at turn three... At turn five, sorry, wasn't it? It's just Um, a Leclerc thing. Yeah, how you crashed there, I'm I'm really not sure. But uh, luckily... It only screwed over his teammate Carlos Sainz, so that wasn't too bad uh, <laughs> for the rest of the field. Um, it wasn't a Monaco 21 situation, but he got pole anyway, and it pulled up in Park Fermi with no front wing, which I feel like only Charles Leclerc and Baku would be able to do.
0: Yep, it is, again, just a Charles Leclerc thing. So he took both pole positions then this weekend. Ferrari are back. They're ready to fight for the wins. Uh, ahead of Sergio Perez, uh, Max Verstappen P3. George Russell, he said this was probably the only good lap he'd had all weekend. Uh, lined up P4 there, ahead of Carlos Sainz. Hamilton in sixth, and Alex Albon, fair play to him, in P7 there. Ahead of both Aston Martins. Who again, I had no DRS. And of course, Lando Norris, unable to do a lap in SQ3. But, Jamie, what are our thoughts then on having two sprint qualifying sessions, apart from the fact they make doing a podcast really weird?
1: Yeah, and really long. We're we're really far in. Apologies, but uh, yeah, I I do like the concept. I I think it's a positive shift for sprint races, but I do feel like they need a few more tweaks to to kind of make racing for the the lower end of the the grid more. There needs to be more reason to do sprint races, like because if you're qualifying nineteenth and you've got to finish in the top eight for points, there's almost no point uh, <laughs> unless yeah you're basically waiting for something crazy to happen and i do think that they could maybe swap around the timing of the qualifying sessions because a lot of people couldn't like watch the friday qualifying for the grand prix because they're at work because it was at like what two o'clock i think or three o'clock or something so potentially they do the, the sprint shoot out on the friday they don't turn out they don't turn park fermé rules on until after real qualifying on saturday morning for instance that'd be good that them. could work,
0: yeah. I'm just trying to think, though, of course, because then you run the other risk of still a lot of teams don't want to risk anything in qualifying for the sprint race. Um It's just all still so weird, isn't it? Mm. Like I feel, yeah. n- obviously, none of the big teams are gonna, because obviously, it, and, you know, we'll talk about this again in just a minute. Of course, from the results from the sprint. Um, but none of the big teams are going to allow themselves to open up a scenario where the little teams have got a chance <laughs> so it just kind of feels like we're not going like, to unless we get something absolutely beyond unpredictable that anything crazy is going to happen from the sprint races and then even then it's unlikely yeah. anyway I still am of the opinion that you do sprint qualifying on a Friday night sprint race Saturday morning everyone then goes out in reverse sprint sprint race finish order for a one-shot qualifying session on Saturday.
1: That's how I think it would
0: work. Because, of course, then you've still got the drivers that win the sprint race have got an advantage because the track's more rubbered in. But, of course, if you get some rain or something like that, then things can get mixed up a bit. Or, of course, if you mess up your lap, you're still going to be starting down the rear of the field. But it is just this whole thing, of course, of none of the big teams want any scenario where they get Screwed over. The Yeah. Yeah. They just don't want it, which I think is kind of defeating the point of what Formula One wants sprint races to be. Uh, yeah. And it it's still it but feels like they just effortless. can't find what needs to work with it.
1: And the silver bullet for sprint races. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think they were also a bit screwed over as well, like we said, of course, because I think they were hoping that Baku would deliver some dramatic action, uh, and as we'll go through, didn't really <laughs> was the case. Right, most of the weekend. Uh, Let's jump in though, Jamie, to the sprint race before we head too much down that rabbit hole. Charles Leclerc leads off the start but probably the most controversial moment of the entire weekend was Max Verstappen and George Russell colliding at turn two. What are our thoughts? Yes.
1: Well, I think it was probably on Russell, mostly, if I was to apportion blame. Um, But you can kind of see where both are coming from. Obviously, it kind of blew up afterwards uh, because Russell... Was very adamant. He threw away Verstappen's criticism that he, he was going for a dumb move. But it is the responsibility of the overtaker to ensure there's no contact for the most part. Um, Until he's got wheel ahead, and then
0: it's the...
1: well. Apparently, it's fair game after that. But it's, I don't yeah, think so it bizarre. Was. Yeah. No, he was. So the too the fair. contact uh, the contact was what R- Russell's front right corner into Verstappen's left side pod ripped quite a big hole in the side of the Red Bull which I didn't expect the damage to be that big until he was pulled up in Park Ferme after the race uh, but yeah Verstappen had very choice words for him on the radio and in <laughs> and in the interview afterwards um, I do think it was on Russell and Verstappen also very strongly of the opinion that it was not his fault but the the take from Verstappen that like why are you doing this it's lap one like you're just taking risks no one's got any grip why are you doing that this is what Verstappen's built his career on <laughs> yeah exactly and even as, a, even as a fan of Verstappen he's trying to have his cake and eat it I feel because like, he's, he's basically all his career has been this guy you know, sticking it up to the big teams the, the race winners and now he's in that position he can't expect everyone to just roll over for him when part of the reason that makes him so good is that he never rolled over for the powers when he was coming up through the sport so I feel for Russell, I get his point this one was on him, but it wasn't a penalty-worthy crash or anything like that. Uh, I can see why Verstappen's annoyed, but it's a little bit hypocritical.
0: Yeah, this was kind of my thinking behind it as well. Like, don't get me wrong, Verstappen wasn't in the wrong in this in this scenario behind the wheel. Everything he said afterwards, yeah, that's just petulant child's play, to be completely honest, in my mind. Um But Max has entire. So obviously, when Max came in back in 2015, his entire appeal was built on this idea that I don't back out, it's going to be you that backs out, and if you don't, we're going to have a crash. However, that worked well against, you know, your Kimi Raikkonen's, your Fernando Alonso's, your Sebastian Vettel's, your Lewis Hamilton's that had raced each other cleanly with respect back when Formula One drivers had to give each other a car's width. (laughs) Sounds crazy now, I know. Uh, But back then, you you could battle for more than two corners. It was great. Um, (laughs) Verstappen, of course, has generated this problem that your George Russells, your Charles Clairs, have come up through the junior ranks now, and they now play by Max Verstappen's rules. And let's be fair, Jamie, if you had a race between Max Verstappen and Max Verstappen, they would crash every single time. (laughs) That's just what would happen. So Verstappen's whole point of, you know, it was a risky move and he knew we were going to crash and he didn't back out. It's exactly what he said at Brazil last year. Verstappen is going to very, very quickly learn. I think behind, to a lot of other drivers behind the wheel, he now has a, like, label over his, I'm trying to think of the right word, like a, a, a target, marker on over, but target on his back a yeah, mark on his head, that sort of thing <laughs> of, you can't back out against this guy anymore and that's, yeah, when you've yeah. got 19 other drivers that aren't going to back out against you you're going to realise very quickly that you're not going to get a lot of things that go your way anymore. And this um, is kind of
1: why Hamilton is, has mellowed and got a bit softer in World Tour Racing because he knows that he went through the same thing, he was the young gun, like not backing out of any moves, going for all he, the orders. No, of, he was better than like, Max. Sense. He was, he was, but, but in the, for the time, he was the, like, they were very aggressive moves still. Yes, yeah, yeah. No one really overtook at all in 2008 and seven. so yeah, he, he then went through this phase of, of being the guy winning and everyone racing against him has more to lose, has less to lose, sorry, than Hamilton does, so it makes logical sense. It's against your instincts as a racing driver, but it makes logical sense to sometimes allow people to go past you and then just pass them back later in the race
0: i I think the big problem still for me with this with max verstappen is he's trying to be like the new and center in this scenario of i don't back out of the moves you back out of the moves but if you don't have the charisma behind it as well <laughs> you're just at, like a petulant child don't you and that I mean this whole thing of moaning on the radio and then going over the, like when he did re-overtake Georgia after the safety car, car going look I can do it cleanly you're like just get a grip mate honestly <laughs> like you're, Max Verstappen is not a clean racing driver Like he's not that's not his driving style and like when he moans about things like that you look at Austria 2019 against Charleclerc just barges Charleclerc off the road takes the win Red Bull, there's no problem with that. That's absolutely fine.
1: <laughs> Brazil last year. Well, I'm just I'm just hearing salt to be honest with you.
0: Either you, know, you can see where I'm coming from though, can't you? And I you can. said it yeah, yourself. Yeah. Max is trying to have his cake and eat it as well. And it's weekends like this where even you as a Max fan like again, I'm not a Max Verstappen fan. You've just gotta be there going, honestly mate, wind your neck in? Like, does he genuinely yeah, believe you're better tongue. than everyone else in that regard
1: <laughs> I do think he, he says some foolish things occasionally on the radio and in the interviews in and whatever so yeah. yeah but this one wasn't on him but it did kind of that. the was kind incident of that wasn't in no
0: race. but you know you, he's got to start expecting that's going to be the case now when you try and throw your car around for the better part of a decade other people are going to start yeah. doing that against you now uh, and, of course, you know, for yeah, for a driver like George... Again, it's similar to, obviously, what Max said last year in Brazil. That he wasn't going to win that race. We may as well. George Russell's not in a car that's yeah. going to win races at the moment. Why shouldn't he just leave the car on the inside there and make Max's life a bit be? more difficult? It's just what's going to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, there, there was a tiny part of me, and this is highly, highly unlikely as well, that did wonder, you know, if your Mercedes and your Ferraris get a little bit closer could this really play into Checo's hand you know Max gets involved in a few (laughs) unlucky incidents here and there could he keep Checo just that bit closer that gives him an outside chance yeah I think he
1: was nose clean like you kind of saw that in 2016 really Hamilton-Rosberg like early season Hamilton just kept having bad starts or having poor reliability Rosberg got the momentum and never really looked back exactly Exactly. a few things went his way but it's possible that the driver who is technically not quite as good as the other driver can still win a championship
0: yeah, yeah. So, of course, you know, that, that uh, we had, obviously, Yuki Sonoda then, at the end of uh, lap one, hit the wall in sector two. Really, really odd collision for him. Uh, over, the, I mean, to be honest, Jamie, I don't know if you found this as well, the corner he binned it on seemed way... I oh, know, obviously, it hasn't, but the elevation on it seemed way more than it was in previous years.
1: Mm, like, it seemed even more off-camber yeah, than camber.
0: normal. Um, but yeah, I Tsunoda a puncture.
1: I didn't. I didn't... I don't have any backing for that, but I think he had a puncture. From it looked like he just went in
0: way too hot to me. You might yeah, be but right, but corner, I haven't seen it? anything. In qualifying, yeah. it's a flat-out corner. Not in the race early on.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Don't know. Let us know if you see news. I don't think... I'd... Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me,
0: but I don't think it was the case. Uh, so, of course, he brought out the safety car um i mean to be honest the rest of the sprint race was fairly undramatic max jumped george off the restart down at turn one uh Sikes then gets around hamilton and Alonso sneaks where, his way through as well uh which is a bit unlucky for lewis and then obviously lap seven sergio perez jumps Charles leclerc for the lead top three sail off into the well basically the top seven or top eight really don't they uh, <laughs> sail off into the distance uh, Lando Norris who'd started on the, he was one of three drivers wasn't he who was started on the softs it was Lando and both Alfa and Mayors, if I'm not mistaken uh, the softs didn't work mm. they basically lasted three laps uh, so Oscar Piastri jumped him and then yeah later on in the day Stroll gets Alex Albon as well to be honest I was surprised he was still behind him um, but that meant that Sergio Perez takes the win in the sprint race ahead of Charles Leclerc Max Verstappen Russell Sainz Alonso Hamilton Stroll so the big four teams took all the points in the sprint which is exactly what
1: they wanted. Yeah, yeah, just handing out points to the to the teams in power. Uh,
0: the yeah, rich get lecture... richer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Obviously, the the sprint doesn't really have an effect anymore on the Grand Prix, so we had reset to the Friday qualifying results for the Sunday Grand Prix. Apart from Esteban Ocon and Nico Hulkenberg, who both uh, chose to start from the pit lane, I think they wanted to make setup changes after how. Badly they did in the sprint, really. Um, so they both started from the pits, which didn't really have that much of an effect on the grid. Uh, I think Ocon qualified 13th, and Hulk was what 17th or 16th. So, yeah, not much, not much difference to the grand scheme of things. Uh, and yeah the race starts, and all was uh, normal. So not not much really happened. The one bit of potential excitement in the Grand Prix was was fairly fairly standard. Uh, Leclerc just led from Max and Perez. Uh, the only bit of uh, contact came in due turn two with Albon up the inside of Piastri who also had a car on his outside so three wide and uh, Albon lost a little bit of front wing I don't know if Piastri got any damage but uh, it didn't seem like that bad if he did uh, and also Bottas took a little bit of a hit as well which ruined his diffuser for the rest of the race which I guess was a shame for him but I don't think Alfa Romeo were up to much anyway so didn't really no, probably any probably a good excuse
0: as much as anything else
1: yeah.
0: Just another weekend. I mean, what's that? Like the third race this year, Bottas has been half a lap back after three laps or something. Yeah. Just yeah. does not seem to get any luck after Bahrain, does Paul Valtteri. No. Um, but yeah, then of course, the DRS gets enabled. I mean, we all knew what was going to happen. Charles Leclerc, it was, I mean, let's be fair. Even Ferrari basically was saying, everyone was basically saying. It was a case of when rather than if he got jumped by the Red Bulls, and they flew past him pretty much immediately, didn't they?
1: They did. They did. Lap three for Perez. And then I think. For Max. One lap later. Uh, for Verstappen, sorry. And then one lap later for Perez. So, yeah, it was a shame for Leclerc, but he did see it coming, and he knew basically, from the point of getting pole position, that all that was going to happen was his pole position record. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Even worse. <laughs>
0: yeah, not, so not like ideal that. for Charlie Boyd
1: conversion rate from pole to win uh,
0: less than that now I think no just over yeah. so it's like 21.1 yeah. 19 poles and what's it 4 wins or something 4 wins yeah madness absolutely <laughs> it- no 5 wins I think is it is it 4 or is it 5 no it is 5 it, it is five. yeah 5 yeah. Um, but yeah I mean already though I mean we saw obviously the medium tyres able to survive 17 laps oh excuse me on sprint race Saturday uh, the drivers did not want to do that come Sunday, Hamilton first run to box on just lap 9 of the GP, uh, and then pretty much as he's pit, Nick De Vries goes and bins it at turn 6, but the opposite end of turn 6 to how Charles Leclerc binned it in qualifying
1: Yeah, and this was again, a really rookie error from De Vries, and I hate to be the just the critical guy I feel like all all I do on this podcast is criticise Nick De Vries, but even when it's not his fault, as in Melbourne. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a very like, stupid mistake to make, just turned in too early into turn six. I mean, who more. would do that in Baku
0: and ruin a good chance of a good race?
1: <laughs> I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Looks back at 2017 in anger. No. Um, but yeah, that but broke his front left corner and was stranded on the... Uh, uh, what well, the runoff at the exit of turn six into turn seven, so yeah, I thought when I saw that, oh, safety car's going to be deployed shortly, because you can see on the picture the front left wheel is just pointing the wrong direction. But I don't think anyone else actually saw that apart from like me, uh, because everyone on the commentary teams and like everyone in the FIA apparently thought, oh, his engine's still running, he could probably reverse back, even though he's got a damaged front left corner completely. Well, because um, it straightened Red back floor. up
0: again when he stopped.
1: Mm, I don't know I don't know maybe my I'm giving myself too much credit but
0: it was maybe quite a a safety up upside car.
1: Down. yeah potentially who knows <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Verstappen needed to pit that lap anyway lap 10 uh, and I guess Red Bull saw this and was like oh that's going to be a safety car or at least a VSC let's pit and get a free stop and then the FAA waited just long enough to make Verstappen go through the pits at racing speed and then called the safety car out which was maybe uh, maybe trying to keep the championship interesting but I'll I'll leave it there.
0: Well I think Red Bull were obviously trying to go the other way weren't they? They were like oh we can easily just get Max way out in the lead now Uh, so there's not even a fight for the dub today Uh, but yeah definitely not the way it worked out and of course that meant that Verstappen and Hamilton uh, both got bumped back down. Verstappen ended up behind Charles and Sergio Perez now who've been promoted to the lead Uh, and then yeah uh, Hamilton got pushed all the way down to p10 wasn't it i think mm. um off the safety car uh but things pretty much of course once they got the freeze car out of the way pretty much went back to normal verstappen literally got charl again off the restart second time he'd done that this weekend um and hamilton obviously passed it was ockland hulkenberg wasn't it who'd started on the it hard was. tires uh but then we're gonna have to pit late on in the day unfortunately as well, and I know we've spoke about this before, the safety car came out at pretty much the perfect time, uh, that then meant, with the exception of Hulk and Ocon, everyone now was in the positions they were basically going to stay in for the rest of the Grand Prix, unless they were behind a car that was much quicker, so Hamilton uh, basically was the only one who then, of course, flew back past those hard compound runners, and, I mean, there were still a few more things that happened, but pretty much from then on, the race was set stone.
1: Yeah, safety cars in pit windows always ruin races unless there's another safety car later on just because there's no strategy variation at all because everyone pits on the same lap or no. plus or minus one usually no. so and I think the softest tyres
0: the softest tyres were the wrong choice this weekend weren't they like, the, fact the hards I could don't do know the hard tyres could do the entire Grand Prix but nothing else was yeah, worth if, having
1: if they had a step harder like the medium tyres would have done the whole Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, but then you could have still had a bit of a gamble between, like, you, they should have gone with the hardest compound, so you could have had, like, soft medium.
1: Mm, maybe, because if they make one of the tyres completely useless, which is basically what they did with the soft, but then the hard were too hard, if you get know what I mean. Yeah. So, Just Pirelli yeah. things, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It Jamie, read out uh, the next but, note oh, another you've got thing on it. the restart. <laughs> well, coming into turn. Uh, exit of turn three into turn four. Uh, Fernando Alonso, who's running P5, uh, sees a blank space up the inside of Carlos Sainz. We definitely aren't takes, making it to episode 112. Uh, I, I'm disappointed that I've used the same reference twice. Yeah, you have kind of um, that. But Alonso was just a better man uh, and took the inside line. I don't even know whether that is a Taylor
0: Swift reference. <laughs> I'm so old. So yes, it is. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: Shamelessly. <laughs> Um, took the inside of Carlos Science, really opportunistic. I don't think Science saw it coming. Uh, and yeah, Alonso took P4 for Aston Martin, so good stuff from him. Um, and then the other Aston Martin, a few hours later, was uh, running P7. Uh, and Alonso, yeah, on the radio, basically said, "I've changed my brake balance and it's working really well. You should tell Lance to do the same thing." Uh, I assume Lance did the same thing and then completely messed up for the final corner. Went wide, which handed Hamilton the position on a plate, uh, which makes Alonso the anti-hero in this situation because is that uh, a Taylor Swift reference? He... Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I don't oh, know you're really any. The of... loop, aren't you? I, I really don't know any of her songs.
1: Oh dear. Um, yeah, so Stroll lost that place to Hamilton, who raised himself into P seven at that point. Was it P6? It was. Oh, yeah, Russell, Russell was 6th, wasn't he? Yeah,
0: Russell yeah. was 8th pretty much all day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, shame. shame for him.
0: But, I mean, let's be fair, Jamie, pretty much nothing else happened throughout most of the no. Grand Prix. It well, was this was, so what, lap boring. 16 or something? Yeah, about lap 16, Stroll did that. We had 35 races, laps to go. Uh, you basically then had Perez and Max every 10 laps or so. One of them would get very close to a wall. Uh, and Ocon and the Hulkenberg, because the, me, uh, the hard tyres, sorry, could just go all day, uh, they basically were screwed over because there wasn't going to be another safety car uh, but also the cars behind them weren't any quicker than them uh, so they were just out there forever um, the only real things that happened were Zhou Guanyu Yu uh, retired from the Grand Prix later on with mechanical issues and then we had what on earth was that final lap with the Park fermé
1: oh yeah, and to be fair, the, the Ted Kravitz commentary was... There was something... It felt like a, like a disaster film when everything's going wrong.
0: Uh, well, to be fair, it could have been then, what, really what bad.
1: Yeah, it could have been awful. But basically, Esteban Ocon uh, hasn't done his mandatory pit stop yet, uh, as Perez is coming basically around the final corner of the last sector. So they've closed the, the pit... Well, they haven't closed it, but they've effectively put Park Firmate out. They've put the pit boards out for P1, 2, and 3. And all the camera people are getting into position to be able to take the pictures of the winner and the podium. Uh, But they haven't realized or they haven't remembered that s Ocon is still going to come through the pit lane on the final lap of the race to change his tires. Which some of the photographers had realized and were basically shouting like it was some sort of disaster movie. Like, get out of the pit lane, get out of the fast lane, Ocon's coming. And thankfully at the last minute they did, but it was an absolute farce that it got so close to just Ocon running over about 30 people so brave as well Ocon to put fully, it on
0: live TV yeah no that was one an interesting realized, choice oh, probably
1: not. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. thinking about it they usually are better than that uh, that kind of thing Yeah. But, uh, thankfully Ocon was fully in control of his car he could have stopped had he needed to and no one was hurt but it was definitely a warning like a massive red flag For the F1 FIA to address, because it was similar. Like Albon had this last year, didn't he? Pitting on the last lap. Australia, yeah. Just people walking around the pit lane, like it was the end of the race when it's not. The race is still going on. I mean, let's let's be fair as
0: well. Let let's obviously again, you know, you you got to think. I mean, if you're talking to health and safety, you have got to think of every hypothetical that could ever happen as well. Let's say Ocon had a puncture coming into that pit lane or something. He could have very easily ping ponged off those barriers into because obviously it's a fast pit entry at Baku as well, let's not mm. forget. He could have ripped off both front wheels and just plowed into where they were setting up Park Fermate, for all we know. Yeah. You you also forgot worse, to mention like
1: a break by wire failure or something.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we also got to mention of course you have Red Bull pit crew that were running across the pit lane as well, because they obviously wanted to celebrate Checker winning. Yeah. It was not a good look for Formula One. And I mean, they've done their investigation. They reported themselves to the stewards, and they went, "Sorry, we were naughty. It won't happen again." Despite the fact it's happened twice. (laughs) I think they will make some changes.
1: They promised to make changes for Miami, which seems very quick turnaround for. They
0: shouldn't be setting up Park Ferme until cars have finished. I (laughs) get that they want to try (laughs) and make it look like a smooth production and all that, but let's be fair. Baku's a long circuit. Like on a cool down lap, it can take you a good three minutes to get around, Like you've got time.
1: Yeah, you absolutely have uh, and that was yeah, kind of the the most dramatic part of the Grand Prix which was a shame and uh, not the best note to end the race on but uh, another thing that was kind of bubbling under you had Verstappen kind of gapping like they were basically trading fastest laps at the end but Verstappen was close to Perez at the end uh, it was hovering around the second mark and also Alonso had uh, yeah, kind of latched onto the fact there was a podium up for grabs potentially he saw red in front of him in Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari, um, but unfortunately Leclerc was able to shake it off and didn't uh, didn't succumb to Fernando Alonso behind him, and yeah Alonso had to settle for fourth. But it was only what six tenths of a second over the line, so yeah really uh, close stuff for Alonso to almost grab his fourth podium of the year.
0: Yeah, the podium streaks comes to an end. I mean, this was something I wanted to mention quickly, Jamie, because uh, I, I know you actually read through the comments as well on our predictions, so we're going to do <laughs> this know. this week. We're going to do this this week.
1: Um, I actually didn't look through the comments, uh, unfortunately. This uh, week, there, there was some... Probably, there probably was a good some, thing, really.
0: When Alonso finish in three races on podium, but you're still putting Russell on Hamilton. Yes, Russell and Hamilton weren't the right choices <laughs> this weekend, but we didn't put Alonso on there, and we were correct. And I think that segues us quite nicely, doesn't it, Jamie, uh, to our predictions recap. 12 points available this weekend, <laughs> and it did not go well. Um,
1: no, a bit too much faith in Mercedes. I, I listened to George Russell too much.
0: Yeah, you, you've, you've yeah. t- learned from the book of Russell, uh, which was not wise. Uh, I, I stopped making that mistake last year, luckily, uh, as a George Russell fan. Um, but we both said Verstappen for, for sprint pole, we both got that wrong. Uh, We both well. You said George Russell for the sprint race. I said Verstappen. Uh, We both got that wrong. You said Verstappen. I said Perez for qualifying. I did get Perez ahead of Verstappen (laughs) correct, but we both got that wrong.
1: No, you didn't. Not in real quali.
0: Oh yeah, not not even in real qualifying. Yeah. So that was well. Neither of us got the points there either. Uh, And your top three was Verstappen, Russell, Hamilton, which netted you one out of twelve points. One. I got Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton, which netted me. Two out of twelve points. Yeah. So really a not a good weekend, there. <laughs> really, really not a good weekend for either of us. No. There, but I think it no. does mean now on the scores it's thirteen to ten in your favour. So I don't know if you want to update the Discord quickly. Uh, yeah. But yeah not not ideal by either of us. There. Anyway, it must
1: be fourteen to me because I, I got six in Melbourne. Yeah, it must
0: be fourteen. You're just yeah. giving yourself I'm three points now. To. No, call it yeah. thirteen ten. Thank you.
1: No, but I got six in Melbourne and one here, and it was seven before that.
0: Okay, fine. Forti- 14, ten off, to yeah. Jamie. I, I'm closing back in Indeed. rather at a rapid rate of knots. <laughs> it must be so. Oh, yeah, keep that up, Jamie.
1: Uh, who didn't was? Did we?
0: We didn't. Sorry. Yeah. Do you want to quickly run through those before I ask you who well, was your driver of the day?
1: Yeah. Well, Perez 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 won the race, of course. Uh, Verstappen made it a one-two. I think it's only the third time in Verstappen's career that he's finished second in his team's 1-2, which is a bit weird. Um, Malaysia 2016 yeah, the... and...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Malaysia
0: 2016 <laughs> and... Oh, Monaco, last year. Was... Uh, no. no I for
1: thought P2, it was two races it? Ago in, in Jeddah, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> forgot
1: about that. So, yeah, uh, Verstappen doesn't often finish second in a one-two finish, but he did. Uh, Leclerc was third. Alonso P4. Signs finished fifth with Hamilton close on his tail at the end. Stroll in seventh. Russell making it a, a whitewash for the top eight, as it was in the sprint, uh, with the big four teams. With Norris grabbing ninth and Sonoda getting his second tenth place in a row.
0: It is Uh, hilarious when you look at the championship standings. uh, Sonoda has had two tenths and two elevenths so far, and he's sixteenth in the championship.
1: Yeah, well, Melvin just basically gave everyone points who hadn't had them already.
0: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Hulk's still chilling in the top ten based off one result. We love that. Uh,
0: Bottas can't be far away still from one result, is he?
1: Uh, Bottas is twelfth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there you go. Look at that, eh? Jamie183, driver of the weekend.
1: Driver of the weekend. I feel like I have to give it to Perez, but that's very boring. Uh, But he did, to be fair to him, make use of every opportunity that came his way. And quite comprehensively, after the safety car obviously handed in the lead, he was extremely accomplished in his drive.
0: He did do very, very well. Um... Charles I think definitely deserves a shout out I I think sensibly that car shouldn't have been on pole Um, but it's the first time this year Red Bull have looked challenged whatsoever of course didn't quite work out on Sunday Um, but obviously Charles finally a weekend that goes right for him uh, this year Mm -hmm. Oscar Piastri I think is another one that deserves a shout out mainly for the fact that you know, I don't think having food poisoning is at all ever fun, uh, but still being able to stay quite close to Lando Norris despite that is worthy of a shout out in my eyes. And Yuki Sonoda. you know, made that mistake yeah, on, on race day. Well, um, and yeah, I'm scrapping Yuki Tsunoda. No, because he still scored points, didn't he?
1: He got tenth, yeah. After yeah. qualifying seventh, in the for- yes, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I get the. I was thinking of the sprint race incident then, for some reason. Um, yeah, but, right. yeah, apart from the sprint race incident, he, d- he had another very, very good weekend in an Alpha Tauri car uh, that both of us still think is pretty dog poo. Um, but I think for me, then, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc, driver of the weekend.
1: Fair, fair enough. Got that's, both that's positions, obviously, in first podium of the year, so that's fair enough.
0: Exactly. F- Ferrari's first podium of the year rating. as well. Oh, race rating. Yeah.
1: A two? <laughs> Two's generous. <laughs> what oh, I, I think, you
0: know, for me, Spa was a one. It wasn't quite as bad as Spa like, in 2021, that is. What
1: in... Oh, yeah. I suppose it wasn't an absolute mess or awful. It almost so was, yeah. but... Give it, give it a two.
0: Four yeah. out of 20 Had for the Azubajan Grand Prix. run down
1: those people, it would have been a one.
0: And and you know what, Jamie? You know what's even better about that? What's Baku. That? There were, what, 13 overtakes on race day Sunday? We've got mm-hmm. Miami... Imola, <laughs> Monaco, and Spain up next in the next six oh weeks. No. <laughs>
1: this, it's just going to be a. It, here, here's the prediction: It's going to be a 2019 style season, where the first eight races are really dull, yeah, and from that point on, every well,
0: 2018, race. A 2019 had some drama. Monaco was good yeah, after eight races,
1: kind of. Monaco wasn't that. Good. Canada <laughs>
0: was well. You had Verstappen versus Hamilton. Canada yeah, was Canada quite was dramatic. The point it got good. Bahrain had Ferraris with a. Traditional bowl job, um, but yeah, we, we're in. We're in for a long, a long few weeks, aren't we? Yeah,
1: tune back um, in in July when the season actually gets interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah, make sure you're back here in July, two months from now. <laughs> um, but of course, Jamie, we're gonna we're gonna quickly end off with this week's quiz. Formula One is heading to the Miami Grand Prix. This might have been a better quiz for Miami, but I'm sticking with it. Since <laughs> okay, we are. Not including the Indy 500 or all of the races at Watkins Glen, because there's too many obscure names for you, I think, there. Okay. So, since Formula 1 went to Phoenix in 1989, I want you... Let me just get on my list quickly. Uh, ten every winner, I think, different drivers have won the US Grand Prix. Only ten? Only ten. Name me them.
1: Wow. Uh, Valtteri Bottas... Uh... Max Verstappen. I haven't given you a time. I have just realised, but you probably won't need well, one. All right, keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, keep going.
1: Uh, Rosberg, I don't think did. Uh, Hamilton said that. Uh, Schumacher in '05. Um, who else won it? Indy, Indianapolis. Alonso. No. Nope. Uh, no. Um. Barrichello, they did the the finish, didn't they? The finish. yeah um Yeah. Peke-Rosberg no that was before his that time that was wasn't way
0: it. before um, yeah uh, uh, no he didn't that.
1: Mansell, P. K. Senna Prost
0: yep Senna uh, Prost is correct Hill
1: no Akenen, there was no US Grand uh, Prix
0: between 92 and
1: 2000 uh, oh um Andretti no <laughs> way too early uh, uh how many got left uh, two any modern ones no, yes so. oh Ralph Schumacher no uh, Truly? No you know, No one, <laughs> Um 06 Someone would have won an 06 Oh I don't know you've, I've, you've, I've do, Unless Master? I
0: misheard you You forgot a I really Yeah you, You've got I'm two really more Jamie I mean. I'm, I'm going to give you another 15 seconds I think Because I forgot to give oh, you a timer no. here Who You're won last year? What that 10 seconds
1: Oh, oh, Raikkonen. Yes, that's one of them. You got one more. Um,
0: uh, Jody Schechter. You, your time is up. No, Jody Schechter was back in the 70s. <laughs> right, right. You forgot one. The 2001 who, winner who of the US Grand Prix. DC? Nope. Montoya? Nope. Oh, I don't know. Mika Hakkonen. I said Hakkonen. Did you? I didn't hear you, though.
1: I absolutely said I You Hakkonen. That you was did. when you told me there were no races in the 90s.
0: I definitely said Hakkonen. You did not say Hakkonen. No, nah, I'm claiming that. You did not say Hackman. Nine then, out of ten, though. It's not by... No, nah, ten out of ten. No, it's not. I'm not, I'm not yeah, giving you that. I'm not giving you that. <laughs> uh, I think that, though, has wrapped us up for this week's show. Uh, apologies to the four of you that might still care, but we're no longer featuring F1 fancy because F1 really <laughs> don't care about it, so why should we, uh, essentially? I, I will still be looking at the league and things like that, and I am genuinely am disappointed uh, with how little Formula 1 has done with F one fantasy this year, but we're we're boycotting it. We're going to make a difference because yeah. one podcast not talking about it will see gonna a rapid the decline you see in, the in the four people that still check their fantasy team. Um, but Jamie, is there anything else to add? Uh, I think to be honest, it's been a miracle so. we've made a, this weekend's Baku Grand Prix a one hour show. To be honest,
1: yeah, we didn't spend long talking about the GP but that's kind of how it went. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was more yeah. to talk about <laughs> that surrounded the rest of the weekend. Thank you all so much for watching then. If you have enjoyed, please do make sure you leave a like, get yourself subscribed, follow us on all the various bits of social media as well. And we will be back later on this weekend uh, to preview the Miami Grand Prix. We've got a lot of podcasts coming up. We'll be in episode 200 uh, before any of you know it, which is rather worrying.